T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. No persons having received a majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. Following the procedure used by the House in 1923 and recorded in Canon's Precedent, Volume 6, Section 24, the clerk is prepared to direct the reading clerk to call a roll anew. Yeah, that was the House clerk on the first vote that failed. There have been three votes for Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy has had fewer votes than the Democrat Hakeem Jeffries on all three of those votes. Our good friend, Doug High, 97.1 FM Talk Political Insider, former RNC spokesman, is with us. Happy New Year, Doug. It's been quite the day in Washington, hasn't it? Well, it, it really has. And the last time we've gone, you know this, the last time we've gone more than one vote for Speaker was 100 years ago today. It was 100 years ago. And so... There's basically no one alive who knows exactly how this process is now supposed to work. And so we are all in uncharted territory here. So where, where are we like currently 507 Central Time? They've adjourned for the night, haven't they? They, they have. Um, the, there was a lot of thought that Kevin would keep going for vote after vote to keep people sort of in the chamber. Obviously, you can leave the chamber if you want to, but to keep them in the Capitol. And um, eventually, after the third vote, uh, I'm not sure why, but there was a, a vote held to, so this was George Santos' is one of his first votes, um, to, to adjourn. And what this means is there's going to be a regrouping. And Kevin is, is in the situation, and he has been now for a while, of using his old job. That is the um, majority whip, the minority whip when they've been in the minority, uh, to get the next job of speaker. So he is going to be, he and his team, working feverishly to turn the tide. They lost one vote uh, in the third vote. They went from 19 votes for Jim Jordan to 20. They need to turn that around and get that number back to 19 or lower, or it's going to be very, very difficult sledding. Did did that, um, let me ask a couple of procedural questions. Did that vote have to take place, those votes today? Is there some sort of requirement? I asked the reason that I asked the question is for this. You know, if this is a guy who's whip, he knows how to get votes together, build, you know, consensus. How could you take this to a vote knowing you were going to lose? Well, and that's, that's one of the maxims that not only Kevin um, has, has believed in, but really anybody who's a whip is that you don't take something to the floor unless you know you've got the votes to win. Right. But there's a difference than what's happening today. Uh, January 3rd is the first day of the House. 
And the first vote is for the speaker. If you notice, you played the, the reading from the clerk earlier. There's nobody standing or sitting behind the clerk. That's the speaker's chair. <laughs> yeah, and it's That's empty. right. Right. And there's no House of Representatives until there's a speaker. There's no committee. There's no committee staff. There's nothing. So the first vote has to be the speaker vote. All right. So you, you don't. Um, I'm just going to ask the question. I don't think this is going to happen, but it is possible for them to elect a speaker who's not even in the House of Representatives. Like Lee Zeldin's name was tossed out today. You don't think that that's where we're heading. Do you? Mark Reardon. I could do it. I could do it. But see, that involves work. That's the the same reason that Trump probably doesn't want this job is the reason I don't want to want that job, because you got to work at it when you're speaker. Well, not just that you have to work. It's also who you have to work with. But, um, (laughs) yes, anybody, um, anybody, you don't have to be a member of Congress to to be speaker. But the reality is it seems really difficult for somebody who is not sitting in the chamber to ultimately become speaker. And there's certainly speculation about if Kevin doesn't get it, is it Steve Scalise or is it someone else? I think it's, it's easier to say who it won't be than, than who it will be. And right now, Kevin is still more likely than anyone else, despite losing these votes. The challenge is, it's a, it's a bit like being the odds-on favorite in the Kentucky Derby. You're the odds-on favorite, but you don't always win. That's right. The favorite doesn't. I've, I've experienced that. I've been on the losing <laughs> side of that many times. Doug High is with us tonight. So, my understanding is, and I don't know what you have been told um, inside the Beltway, that the concessions that were made, because McCarthy did make some concessions to the Freedom Caucus, that they were moving the goalposts. Is that your understanding that that's happened? Yeah, absolutely. What we've seen is, and by the way, I don't think Kevin should have made all of these concessions that he made. It, it would weaken him if he becomes speaker. Also sets up potentially, though this wouldn't be Kevin's main concern, if it's not Kevin, whomever that is, may have to live up to the promises that, that Kevin made, one of which being only you only need one member of Congress to call for uh, vacate what's called the motion to vacate the chair, meaning remove the speaker. They've made it easier to remove the speaker. And so if you think today is chaos, well, that chaos could happen at any time. And so Kevin's made these concessions and what he's been told every time is, OK, now we want this and now we want that. And ultimately, these are people who probably were never going to get to yes. And it sort of represents a nothing is ever going to be good enough caucus, more than serious thinking about politics. I thought Jim, and I played a little of this audio, Doug, earlier this afternoon on the show. I thought Jim Jordan's speech was very interesting and compelling earlier today. Uh, it was not only in what he said, he laid out the case of we're here to get things done, but also in what he didn't say. He didn't tell the people, by the way, stop voting for me. You know, he, he made the case for Kevin. He made the case for why Kevin's speakership would be important for Republicans. He didn't say, knock it off. And indeed, what we saw is they didn't knock it off. So they reconvene. They negotiate. Maybe there's more concessions. They come back tomorrow and they do this again. It's going to be deja vu all over again tomorrow. You know, short of, um, unless Kevin sees some writing on the wall that we don't really see in at least ink right now, uh, that this is not possible for him. We'll come back tomorrow and do this again and again. And what's interesting about this is, and this has to be his posture, is that they're going to keep voting until he gets through, of course. Um, But you also see, you know, you mentioned the folks that he was making concessions to. We also see when when there's kind of an emergence of the Freedom Caucus or what have you, the moderates start talking about flexing their muscles. And the reality is they never flex their muscles to the point that you even wonder if they know where the house gym is. But they're doing it now. And so – you have never Kevin's, 
you have only Kevin, and where that breaks and who blinks, I don't think anybody really knows. Yeah, because the dynamics, the bedfellows, if you will, are just fascinating here, right? Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a bit of a surprise, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and look, you know, Kevin has, has empowered her. And, uh, you know, if she is the one telling, telling other members, look, you're a bit out of line here, you can get a sense of how we're starting to color outside the lines pretty massively here. I think, again, this all, you know, you joked earlier about doing math on the fly. This is that as well. And the challenge here is, you know, that number went from 19 to 20, and that was a very bad direction for Kevin. If the next vote, that number is 21 or 23 or something like that, then what we see is a melting glacier. Let me go back a couple of weeks here to the um... – to the uh, the bill, the omnibus, because I had Congressman Davis, who he's no longer there. Mary Miller beat him in his primary in a redrawn district. Um, I have had major concerns about the amount of spending that goes on by Republicans. And I'm not talking about the last couple. I'm talking about even when Trump was in office. So there is this feeling that fiscal accountability has kind of gone by the wayside. Now, with the omnibus and Congressman Davis made this clear, you're talking about constitutional responsibilities. You're you're paying the military, the border agents, all of these things. And when you look at the the chunk of spending that really is important to the deficits, that's the um, you know, the Medicare, Social Security, and Medicaid. But what would you say about? Because look, I think Chip Roy went on the floor today and said some things that probably resonated with people who voted for Republicans in the sense that how do you pass a bill like that? And I know there's complications, Doug. You know the process. But to the people who voted for Republicans, they're saying, we didn't want this. We didn't want more money being spent. It's hard to kind of educate people on the process at the same time you're passing big bills like that. Yeah. And what was interesting is Chip Roy highlighted an increase in spending where you typically don't see Republicans criticize it. And that's in defense. Um, he obviously made a com- compelling case. He is great um, in remarks like that. He la- made that case later on with Jake Tapper on CNN. And yes, it's very difficult to explain process and kind of why things happen the way they do. But why this vote happened the way it did ultimately is because Senate Republicans foresaw this happening today and didn't trust House Republicans with an ability to govern and were scared of shutdowns and certainly scared of a default um, uh, if, you know, when we come up to the debt ceiling here in a few months. So this is obviously the political story of the moment, but I want to take you down to uh, downtown Tallahassee because there was a swearing in today for Ron DeSantis that is pretty significant as he takes over his second term in Florida. And I think the expectation is he's not going to fulfill that term. (laughs) Right? Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to play. I thought you were going to play sound. Well, I should have. I should have played sound, actually, now that I think about it. But I think that that's something that's being overshadowed by everything that's happening in the House. So what happens from here? Because all this talk with Trump and DeSantis has been kind of quiet here in the last couple of months since the midterms. Yeah. And part of that is Trump's been quiet. You know, he announced that he was running for president and then didn't really do much. Um, Clearly, DeSantis is trying to position himself, not not necessarily as the next Trump, but a Trump with substance. And so if you look at when uh, Florida just went through the recent hurricane, what did he do? He rolled up his sleeves and acted like a governor. When President Biden came down, he worked with the administration as a governor should, regardless of party. So he was demonstrating to voters, including uh, moderate or independent voters, who certainly had some concerns about the direction that the party was going with some of our candidates uh, last year, that he can be an adult in the room when he needs to be. And then in his speech, certainly— um, he's going to hit those touchstones 
uh, that play to the conservative base. So what what did you think? This is another interesting political dynamic. And, you know, I think that coming out of the holiday, people miss some of these stories. And I even dialed out in the past couple of weeks. But the former president yesterday says essentially it's extreme pro-lifers that caused the Republicans to lose in the election in November. You know, with so many statements that Trump makes, there's always a kernel of truth in it. And then the rest of it just goes bonkers. Um, you know, clearly, abortion registered um, on, on the ballot in a, in a way that I think a lot of Republicans under underplayed. I certainly did myself. And you know, there, there was a cross current of some Republicans saying we need to talk about abortion more. And the reality was Republicans were, whether they meant to or not, and it was in states enacting very restrictive laws, um, trigger, trigger laws that as soon as the court, you know, the Supreme Court rules, these laws go into effect. That that had a real impact on voters, especially when you would have candidates like Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania running for governor who would make very extreme statements. They scared away voters in Pennsylvania. It hurt Dr. Oz as well, but also enabled Democrats to uh, portray all Republicans as extreme. One more thing I just want to touch base on just because it's the story of the day and I knew you're a sports fan. I don't know if you were watching last night, but man, that that was and I hope he's okay, um, Damar Hamlin, because that was just a devastating moment. I, I was watching and uh, it, it, it's awful. And you, you see him stand up. So you think he's fine and then immediately collapsing. Um, Clearly, there's going to be a lot of investigation into what happened and what protocols um, may have to come into play in, in future games, future seasons, certainly. Uh, but in the meantime, it breaks your heart. And if there is a silver lining at this point, it's that he is a charity uh, that raises money for kids getting toys at Christmas. And it already has $4 million in it. It's crazy. On the last, it had three, uh, less than $3,000 and now has more than $4 million. Yeah, which... yeah. and I've contributed... I know a lot of friends who contributed. Um, so, you know, fortunately, there's some good that comes out of this, but it is still just a terrible, just heartbreaking situation. Happy New Year, Doug. Hi. Um, happy to Thank start you. the year with you, and we will talk soon. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank right. you. Yeah, thank you. 519 on St. Louis's home for conservative talk. I wanted to uh, wind a couple issues in here before we get to um, Paul Morrow. I'm sorry, Michael Boyd is going to talk about the Southwest situation. Our friend Jazz Shaw wrote about this on Hot Air today, and this is about our friends in Illinois. because And, and he framed it this way. It was 28 years ago, about 28 years ago, Illinois passed the Parental Notice of Abortion Act. And what that did is it mandated that underage girls could not undergo an abortion without prior notification and consent from their parents or guardians. Uh, That whole thing was tied up in courts until 2013, and then it went into effect. So the way that Jazz framed it, he says, this law was viewed as an endorsement of parental rights, ensuring their ability to be involved with the development of their children. But Friday... J.B. Pritzker signed a law repealing that, and the measure barely passed in the legislature. Um, There were some Democrats that joined all of the Republicans in opposition, but of course this is a very blue state. So this is what's happening, single-party leadership in Chicago. The story is J.B. Pritzker 
signed into law. This is from the Chicago Tribune, a measure to repeal the requirement that abortion providers notify the parents of minors seeking the procedure. The move to repeal the 1995 Parental Notice of Abortion Act barely passed out of the Democrat-controlled state legislature during its fall session, with some Democrats joining Republicans. Those who supported the repeal, which goes into effect January 21st, 2024, have said that the 1995 law did nothing to protect the most vulnerable young people, those living in unsafe and unstable households. So let's Let's kind of go through the um, jazz did a great job with this today. The things if you're in Illinois that you need your parents permission to do. Can you get a tattoo in the state of Illinois under the age of 18 without your parents permission? I don't think no, so. No, you cannot. You cannot. Um, can you buy a beer in the state of Illinois or alcohol without being, um, you know, 21 or 18? Well, really, you got to be 21 for no. that, right? So you can't do that either. Can you go into a theater to see an R-rated movie? Well, if you're 17 and you have a valid ID, otherwise the parent or guardian has to purchase the ticket for her. But if you're 16 years old and you become pregnant and you want to have an abortion or you decide that you want to be a he if you're a she and have male hormones pumped into you without your parents knowing about it, that's fine and dandy. That's okay with the people in Illinois. Which, I mean, Jazz says this, and I think this is really an important point. It really, in, in a situation like this, with everything that I just described, it shouldn't matter what your position is on abortion. shouldn't really no. matter if you're pro-life or pro-choice, right? The question is, children, I have several of them. I have a couple in their 20s, and I'm not convinced that they're prepared. I know that I wasn't when I was in my 20s prepared to make big decisions. I don't think kids that are 14, 15, 16 years old are prepared to make big decisions that are going to impact them for the rest of their lives. That's exactly why we have age of consent laws. Children are not deemed able to provide informed consent. So this is another one of those things in Illinois. Thank God the whole uh, bail reform thing got put on hold by a judge, but that doesn't mean they're still not up against it with the Safety Act in Illinois. 522, we'll get into the Southwest Southwest Airlines thing. By the way, they are awarding some of you who were affected some mileage points. We'll get into that and talk about how this all happened and will it happen again? Michael Boyd is coming up. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. 
I fly Southwest Airlines almost exclusively. I have a Southwest credit card that I spend money on, um, then pay it off every day, and I get my points that way. And I was not affected by what happened the past couple weeks. If you if you were, you might want to check your points because they awarded 25,000 points to some people. Michael Boyd is the president of the Boyd Group International. This was probably the biggest story over the holidays, and there's still repercussions for travelers who hopefully are home by now. Michael, how are you? Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, sir. I'm just doing just great. So let, let's talk about what, what Southwest did today and whether that's enough. Obviously, there are people that had hotel um, charges, all kinds of stuff. $25,000, or I'm sorry, 25,000 points in frequent flyer points. Is that enough to, to, to ease people's nerves and anger? Uh, it's a start. Keep in mind that this, the Southwest was the airline Grinch that stole Christmas. And, I mean, it's major where people aren't going aren't gonna to forget that, you know, they missed Christmas entirely. Grandma didn't get here, whatever. Grandma got waylaid in Baltimore. It will fade eventually because Southwest is a very good airline run by very good people. All we had, basically, was a computer system that failed uh, under huge pressure. They'll get over this, but the real issue is there's a lot of hurt people out there, and Southwest will try to make up for it, but you can't recreate Christmas and you can't recreate Hanukkah. The fact is a lot of people were hurt. That's all I can say. Michael, did they actually get to a point in the in the aftermath of, of Christmas where they said, look, we just kind of got to let this thing play out because we got to let everything catch up? Oh, absolutely. I, they got to the point where, look, they had a system in place that worked so-so, you know, it, it was okay, but it's like any other computer system. When it got under huge demand like this, or, or a system, not even a computer system, it went down. I think what they had to do is say, stop everything, let everything settle, and then we'll we'll put the pieces back together. And, yeah, they didn't have the right IT systems, but they worked fair up till now. They were working to improve it. But when this weather issue happened, their entire system collapsed. It was not intentional. Can you have any confidence that this is going to be addressed properly by Southwest? Oh, absolutely. Bob Jordan, the man running it, he's a man of incredible integrity. He's going to take care of it. And frankly, he's running ahead of the Department of Transportation. He's making commitments for Southwest Airlines to their customers before the guy in Washington even thinks about it. So we've got an airline that's taken this bull by the horns. Well, let's talk about the guys in Washington. I'm not a big person when it comes to government interference. In this particular case, though, I guess my question to you would be, should Congress take a close look at this? And the one area that, that I think might frustrate people is, Look, these airlines, including Southwest, got a boatload of money during COVID. So why didn't they use it to upgrade computer systems, for example? Because it wasn't meant to upgrade computer systems. That's something that we've got to be very careful. It borders on fake news to say that because that was for payroll. That wasn't to upgrade systems or to spend on anything else. Now, the fact of the matter is their system was working okay, so they, and they were working to upgrade it. But Congress can't do anything to fix what happened with Southwest. Buttigieg, he can't do anything to fix it. But the airline will fix it going forward. It's a very unfortunate thing. But you, you just said you fly Southwest, I fly Southwest. Uh, it's an airline that normally doesn't give you any anxiety. Yeah, look, I would be, I, I can't even imagine how apoplectic I would be. I'm not the most patient person in the world, Michael, if something would have happened to me because I hate, you know, sitting in airports and, and things along those lines. On the other hand, I've had so little, um, you know, so few issues with Southwest over the years. And every time, maybe this is a slight exaggeration, but every time I'm on American or Delta, it's just a massive fail. Oh, yeah, they're, they're hung up with rules and regulations and all this other stuff. Look, Southwest, I mean, again, they don't, they don't allow you to choose your seat. Uh, but 
you know, they do have a system that does work. Uh, I had to commute basically from Denver to Las Vegas. United was often cheaper. I wouldn't book United because Southwest was easier to use. And if I had to change my reservation, I did not have to call my banker in Zurich to get a loan. True. Yeah. Well, right. So, you know, I, th- I think the, the long, I guess that kind of segues into the, the potential long-term damage for Southwest as a brand, because it certainly seemed like uh, a lot of their customers would, in the heat of the moment, say, I'm never flying Southwest again. But when they're not given better choices and if Southwest fixed things, I think that's not going to hurt them in the end as much as maybe the anticipation from a week and a half ago. Right. And this weak computer system, this weak uh, booking uh, crew system they had, it didn't affect us normally. I mean, uh, it did affect us when we had a system that was put under huge pressure to most of the country being flummoxed by weather. People will get over it. But again, this time was more than just cancellations. It was cancellations with no information. It was cancellations with employees sometimes pushed to the edge. So there were some things that happened that are just not going to be forgotten about but they'll get through this. Let's talk one more question here on the employees. Look, people getting 25,000 points, um, I think some people are going to be satisfied by that. Maybe some people will say it's it's not enough. But these poor employees who took the brunt of the mm. anger from, and I get how people are angry, but these, you, you know, the, the people at the clerks at the desk or whatever you want to call the flight attendants, Gate. they didn't have anything to do. Thank you, Sue. They didn't have anything to do with this, and they were probably abused um, certainly more than they should have been. So what does Southwest what? do for those employees? Well, you know, they have to make very sure that they uh, assure the employees that they're not going to put in that position again. I mean, you know, I started out in this racket as a gate agent. I know exactly what it's like when you're sitting there looking at people who were legitimately ticked off, and they can't do anything about it, and you can't either. Yeah. So I think what Southwest needs to do is make very, very sure that where the employee works, the environment they work in, these kinds of things won't be there, and they'll always be there to support the employee with information. Michael Boyd, always great to have you on. I appreciate the insight here this afternoon on 97.1 FM Talk. Have a good New Year. Thank you. You too. Happy New Year. So have you ever been, the, the one story that comes to mind for me is several years ago, I was at um, a fair event in Washington, D.C., the Federal uh, Association for Immigration Reform. Mark Cox has done it usually, but when I was on the KMOX side, we don't both do it now. Oh, I see. Uh, but when I was on the KMOX side, I would go and, and be out there. And as I remember this particular year, I was out there on a Wednesday and Thursday. I was coming back on a Friday morning. And this Friday morning was particularly important because Billy Joel was in town that night at Enterprise Center, whatever it was called at that time. But beyond that, I had an interview. We've told this story briefly. I had an interview that was set up with a guy by the name of Mike Del Judas. And at that time, Mike was a new member of Billy's band. But Mike's background is he was, um, he's got Big Shot. It's a cover band that he's been successful with. That's right. All, I remember right, this all story. All of Billy's bandmates, they knew Mike, and they started poking around. Hey, you got a passport? Hey, you know the catalog, right? Billy comes in and invites Mike to be a member of the band. He's been a member of the band ever since touring worldwide. But I had him set up, so there was a, a piece in the Wall Street Journal about Mike Del Judas, and I did not know him at the time, so I told Fred, let's, hey, Billy's coming to town, let's see if we can get this guy on the air. So Mike agrees to come in the studio. I thought that was pretty Whoa. cool at the time. So I go that morning, and I think I'm flying Delta American, and I, if I remember correctly, I'd have to think about this, I think I screwed up that year on where I booked my flight into because there's two airports, right? And I think I picked Reagan instead of Dulles. Oh, I see. My advice, don't ever do that. But I did it. So I'm up there and the gate agent actually says to me, well, the flight's canceled and 
it was one of those things where it was delayed at first, okay? And, and that, I was, so you have hope. Yeah, you have hope. But You're I, holding on. I start to look at the situation, oh. and I'm thinking, this thing is going to be canceled, right? Oh. So I, I don't do things that are very smart. I get in line to, to talk to a gate agent, right? And I'm the first or second person in line, and then everybody starts, well, they cancel the flight. Of course. So I get up there, and... <laughs> I'll never forget this. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. So right on probably about nine, nine or 10 o'clock. And the gate agent says, well, I think I can get you on a flight Sunday morning. <gasps> and, and that's exactly what was happening to people with Southwest of course, last week. Of course. It wasn't like, hey, we can get you on this flight later today or maybe even first thing in the morning. It was like, hey, what about maybe three days from now? But that was horrifying to hear. I, I mean, I was in, that had never happened to me at that point. And luckily, I worked some magic, thank God. And I got I had to fly in that day to Midway. No, I flew into O'Hare. I took an Uber to Midway. Oh, my God. Midway got me Southwest to here, and I somehow made it back by like, 10 minutes after 2 or something like that. It was late for the show. As we have this discussion, it, it reminds me that, that part of the Southwest story, and I forgot to ask Michael this, was that they did not have um, possibilities for exchanging and put you on flights for di- with right. different airlines. Yes. And I wonder if they're addressing that That's either. That's a good question. Dang it, I forgot right. to ask him. Because that is one of the, you know, I think, <clears throat> unique situations where they yeah. don't have that ability. Uh-huh, because did that happen to you? In other words, when United or American or whatever, were you able, well, I guess they you just took a different flight and went to Chicago. No, but I think they did get me on that flight, I if I remember say, correctly. I, but I, then I, then, I mean, that, that whole thing was a nightmare. I just can't even believe that I made it. I remember that Uber ride. I think we were going like 85 miles an hour or something <laughs> like that. But I, I have a fair amount of empathy for people who had to go through this, especially oh, terrible. with kids. Oh, You're you know that that's even worse and you don't know where you're going to stay abby said you know her sister was stuck in town from portland although that ended up being i think a good situation because she was staying with the family and well, yeah, they got to hang out a couple more what days what if you took a flight somewhere else and you were stuck where your family wasn't what a mess what if you didn't like your family and you were stuck with your family <laughs> you got that going for you too and you got no luggage uh i don't know what this is going to mean overall but i don't think in the end Loyal customers of Southwest are going to say, oh, you know what happened over Christmas? I'm going to book on American or Delta because that experience is going to be better. I, I, I don't. It's hard to say since we did not go through it, but it will not affect me doing it. I will uh, take Southwest to Houston coming up next month. Let me, uh, let me share this. This is separate but related. This was a story that was in the Washington Post today, and it caught my attention because of the headline, and I clicked, and I just want to toss this out. This airline booking hack is dividing the Internet. Some couples book a window and an aisle seat to try to get their own row. Some travelers hate it. So this can't happen on Southwest because you have the queues. You line up according to A, B, and C group. You have family boarding and military and all that. So you're not picking your seat, which is why some people don't like Southwest, right? Right. So the story says the strategy is a favorite among well-traveled couples. Book the aisle and window seats in the same row, then hope that a modern-day air travel miracle will leave them with an empty middle seat. In the best-case scenario, which occurs on the rare occasion when a flight isn't completely booked, nobody sits between them and the duo gets to stretch out. The worst case, some poor sap gets stuck in the middle of two people who still insist on gesturing, communicating, and one, and in one unfortunate passenger's case, spilling wine on their neighbor. Oh. So they go through a, a couple of scenarios, and they say, in a viral tweet revealed earlier this month, there was a guy who had this happen. So somebody wanted to book the uh, the aisle in the uh, the window seat, and then somebody, the stranger, comes up, and he's asked to maybe 
compromise. Right. Can, right? Yeah. can you sit? Would you sit on the window and we can sit together or whatever? And there was one person that I guess this became an internet thread where the guy wasn't going to do it. And so this was the passenger. So imagine you're the passenger who is trying to keep that road to yourself. This guy named Zach tweets out, losing my mind just offered the aisle seat to the guy sitting in between me and my girlfriend on a flight, and he said he'd rather stay in the middle seat between us. Wow. So that's weird, right? Somebody responded to that saying this. This is a little baffling to me, too. Can someone explain to me what's morally objectionable about the window aisle couple ploy? You do it hoping that no one will sit between. Yes. How have you made anyone else's life worse at this point? What's the counterfactual? I would have to agree with Alex. What in the world? Who cares if people do this? If you do it, you take a stab at it. No one sits between you. Good for you. But I think there's just as much risk on a full flight that someone's going to sit between you, Of right? course. Yeah, I don't get that. That's that's weird. Um Cornell University PhD student Alyssa Domingo Batake, 40, said they were bothered that so many people employing the hack seemed to feel entitled to switch with the person in the middle, and that some on social media discuss ways to punish people who wouldn't switch. I'll tell you one thing. You give me that option, I'm switching out. I'm, I'm, take, <laughs> I'm taking the aisle right away. And for me, that's one of the reasons I kind of like Southwest, because I have to have an aisle. Um, you have to have an aisle. Well, it's, what a, bladder, does that it's mean? a bladder issue, Sue. Oh, it, fair it really enough. is. And I, I'm I'm uncomfortable being in the middle or the window seat, even with my wife and my my child, because Becky is really good at sleeping on the plane, and I have to climb over her. But I'm just telling you, like just being honest, especially if I have a morning flight, I could ten minutes into the flight, I've got to pretty much look for that sign to go off. I wish it wasn't gotcha. the case, but I don't want to climb over people. Plus, I do like I don't like being in the middle. Most people don't. No. Right, Nobody especially if you're does. sandwiched between well, two people. Except that one guy in the story. Yeah, <laughs> but that guy—you know that guy was just doing it to be a. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but you know, I, I guess you have the right to the do that. Seat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Things that hashtag Alex. Things that have no nobody has said in their <laughs> lifetime. Right. I have an audio cut of the day. Maybe a couple of them coming up here in just a couple of minutes. I want to address some issues I have not gotten to this afternoon, barring a last-minute intervention from Governor Parson. Um, Amber McLaughlin is scheduled to be executed by lethal injection tonight. And I want to talk about this because we've had in our local paper, and I think most of you listening probably know this and you don't subscribe because it's such a rag, but they love criminals at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. There's nothing they like better than doing stories on criminals. They don't like to do stories on crime victims. They prefer to go to bat for the people who deserve to be removed from the planet for brutal murders. So let's talk about Amber McLaughlin and and what's going on here. Because, um, and I, I'm confident that Mike Parsons is not going to do anything here. We, we have a death penalty in Missouri. We should use it more often. Um, so that's not going to happen. It it's, would have to be a Supreme Court situation. But long before Amber's transition, and I'm going to use that word as I'm definitely transphobic here this afternoon, and I'm going to misgender a little bit, too. We might as well just be honest. Long before Amber's transition, he was in a relationship with a woman. And that woman, he stalked to the point where she had to have a court take out a no-contact order on him. The police had to escort her when she left work to make sure that she was okay. But this guy... Well, he was a guy then, right? Can I say that? Or is that misgendering him? Will I be pulled off? Managed to get into her workplace, 
stab her to death, oh. drag her body, and dump it in the river. Okay? Now, the clemency request is based on this claim. It's always based on mental illness. He suffered abuse as a child. He suffers from depression. He's unstable. He brutally murdered a woman. He lived as a man until he went to prison, right? He is a man until he gets to prison, and all of a sudden, and he had relationships with women. Even after announcing that he was going to transition, that was only three years ago, coincidentally, as his execution date grows closer, he didn't have transitional surgery, right? He's got the boy parts right now. He hasn't even had hormone therapy yet. So I mentioned Jazz Shaw did a great job with this on Hot Air today. Isn't he basically a guy wearing women's clothes? But the Post-Dispatch wants to do article after article. You see this again after um, Amber is put to death and removed from the planet as she or he should be tonight. There'll be a story tomorrow that'll say, Missouri executes first transgender inmate. Who flipping cares? Do they say first gay inmate? Do they say first heterosexual? This is so infuriating that the media has to, and this got picked up nationally. So now you got the Daily Beast and all these other publications, CBS News, first transgender inmate. I don't give one rip that this person who, I should mention Beverly Gunther. Beverly Gunther was the victim here because, uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. It really is. And and I'm I'm trying to page through this um this it's story. It's just irrelevant. No, look, it is irrelevant. And, and even in the story that's on the uh the post right now, they don't mention anything about when she transitioned or he transitioned or how this is all a farce, but they want to put that in the headline because they want to get Picked attention up, and they yeah. want to get and of course I give them uh, attention. Uh so that's just ridiculous. I was going to use this as part of cut of the day, but let me just put this up as a um discussion piece here and see what you think. I got to find the story here. This is a guy who is a play-by-play announcer. Gary Hahn is his name. And he was calling the uh the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Sue it was North Carolina State Wolfpack playing the Terrapins of Maryland. And he's giving a score update when he then announced the score of the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. And he said something that I guess he shouldn't have said. Here's what he said. One other bowl game involving an ACC team going on. That's the Sun Bowl. And amongst all the illegal aliens down in El Paso, it's UCLA 14 and Pittsburgh 6. So he he has been, yeah, kind of a little wisecrack there. He has been suspended from his job for saying that. (sighs) You've got to be kidding. By the way, there are thousands, if not tens say. of thousands of illegal aliens in El Paso. He's not and wrong. They're right. No, he's absolutely right. There's so many down there and in some of these other cities that you don't even have shelters that have enough room. They're overflowing with people. There's no space. There's no room in the inn, if you will. It's a big, giant, tent city in El Paso. So here's the question. Did he get suspended because he said illegal alien? You can't say that anymore, remember? Can't oh. say illegal alien. Or did he get suspended because he made a political point? I mean, well, everything he said. Of course it's the political point. Okay, but he, he's, in, and he's an employee of Learfield, which is here in Missouri, by the way. He's been the voice of North Carolina State football and men's basketball since 1991. He's won awards. He was honored as the North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year in 2011 and 2020. Learfield said this. Learfield has suspended Wolfpack Sports Network play-by-play announcer Gary Hahn from his agreement indefinitely following comments made during today's Duke Mail Bowl radio broadcast. Okay, Learfield, you're embarrassing yourself. Should the guy apologize? I don't think so. 
Okay, but if you have to apologize for an, who's he being insensitive to? By the way, I'm not is that sure. an insensitive statement? Who who's he being insensitive to? Who's the victim in that comment? The woke liberal out there who was listening to the game, who was offended that he said illegal aliens instead of undocumented immigrant. <laughs> it's it's become a joke. the The whole world, sadly, has become a joke. But every time I see a story like that. It's just infuriating. All right. So I was going to make that cut of the day. Let's do something else here. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. I am going to make it a bit of a daily double because of this uh, terrible situation with DeMar Hamlin, and he still is in critical but stable condition after uh, suffering a cardiac arrest on the field last night during the Bills and Bengals game. But I think Bob Costas, who I have disagreed with on many, many occasions on some political things, uh, I think he's right on this. Any contact sport, of course, brings with it the possibility of, of injury. To say that this is unique to football, or that this sort of thing is typical within football, just isn't factual. Is it tragic? Is it concerning? Yes. Did they make the right decision by not going back out to play? Yes. But does this fall into the category of another piece of evidence about how, how dangerous and uniquely dangerous football is among team sports? I don't think so. No, he's right about that. It does not. And by the way, the NFL said that the Week 18 games, the schedule will not change. They'll move forward. They're not going to revisit this game, at least at this point. There have been at least two people on the show this afternoon. T.J. Moe, who used to play in the NFL. He Mm -hmm. played for Mizzou as a wide receiver. And Frank Cusimano, who both said essentially, and I've seen nothing about this officially, but it seems to make sense that they'll probably just rule this a tie and move on. Now, there are implications for that with other teams, including the Chiefs, but... Somebody just almost died on a football field, so I think there needs to be some level of understanding. But the big story of the day is Kevin McCarthy not becoming Speaker of the House. They tried once. They tried twice. They tried three times today. They could not get enough votes for Kevin McCarthy. One of the guys that got about 20 votes in one of the ballots, 19 in another, Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio. He doesn't even want the job. First, pass the bills that fix the problems. In two years' time... We have went. We we have a border that is no longer a border. We have a military that can't meet its recruitment goals. We have bad energy policy, bad education policy, record spending, record inflation, record debt, and a government that has been weaponized against we the people, against the very people we represent. But Jim Jordan says he doesn't want this job. He wants people to vote for. We owe it to them, the American people, the good people of this great country, to step forward to come together. Get a speaker elected. I hope you'll vote for Kevin McCarthy, and that's why I'm proud to nominate him for Speaker of the House. Oh, Matt Getz didn't see it that way. Those of us who will not be voting for Kevin McCarthy today take no joy in this discomfort that this moment has brought. But if you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. I'm a Florida man, and I know of what I speak. We offered Kevin McCarthy terms last evening that he rejected. We sought a vote in the first quarter of the 118th Congress on term limits. He refused. We wanted a budget 
from the Republican Study Committee that balances on the floor in the first quarter. He refused. We wanted the border plan that the Texas delegation put together on the floor. He refused. Well, there were concessions, wow. and then the uh, Freedom Caucus went back, and they wanted more. So that's where we are right now with this stalemate. Ronna McDaniel, the chair of the RNC, what now? Yeah, obviously, I'm not in the caucus, so I'm not hearing what the members of Congress are saying to each other. They have these relationships, but my guess is there's going to be a lot of conversations member to member saying, you guys, we just took back the House of Representatives. We just retired Nancy Pelosi, and right now we look like we don't have our crap together. So let's get it done, let's get a speaker, and let's do the work of the American people and show that we're a Republican Party that can govern, which is what we were just elected to do because the American people are hurting right now. They don't feel like our country's on the right track. They don't feel like Biden's doing a great job. They know the border's in chaos. They know that people are being laid off. They know that gas prices are high. People aren't feeling good. You're seeing that in your own poll. And they're looking at Republicans and saying, please help us get this done. Hold them accountable and make our lives better. And right now, every day we delay, we are preventing the work of the American people from getting done. And this Republican on Republican infighting is only hurting one thing, our party. Well, it's not getting any better. They're adjourned for the night. They'll go back at it tomorrow. There does not seem to be a path to get a speaker in the United States House of Representatives. We'll talk about it at three tomorrow afternoon. Have a great night. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.